Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Good morning. Welcome to first service. No, hey, I appreciate you guys setting your clocks or not. Either way, you made it here to second service. So I guess we'll have some folks showing up in about, what about, about an hour, 40 minutes or so for second service. But uh, anyway, hey, appreciate all of y'all being here. I, I do have to say, I'm just so excited and proud of and honored to have Daryl Youngblood and RDOF and all that they're doing. Can we just honor Daryl? You're doing a great job, man. Great job, and again, in so many ways, Daryl just epitomizes what, what we are and who we are as a church, and that is just, uh, again, Daryl was going to war in, in the wee hours of the morning on these chat lines with professors and their classes, getting into these class discussions and defending the faith, and uh, man, he would, he would send and we would talk about how these professors had uh, all kinds of flowery language towards him for his uh, interruption into their class. And uh, we just said, I just said, hey, Daryl, you got to teach the rest of us how to do this because, you know, getting in at a high intellectual level, and if you ever talk to Daryl and he goes there, he'll get in over your head pretty quick. Uh, but it's just great training for all of us to be able to defend our faith when we get into those settings. And uh, gang, it's not going to get any easier going forward. So I want to encourage you next, it's not next Saturday, right? It's March 23. Yeah, March 23rd, uh, c- come out and see it. The place is always packed, so I'd encourage you to get here early. But uh, anyway, we just are so honored to have you, Daryl, doing what you do. And uh, uh, all right, gang, so here's the deal. Uh, we're about to land the, the plane on the relationship series. Open your Bibles. We're gonna just take, speaking of planes, we're gonna take a bit of an aerial view of Hebrews 11 and 12. That's, that's pretty much all we're gonna be, maybe one spot in Jeremiah. But um, in uh, th- this series has not so much been the practicals of interrelating, but really a little bit deeper level. Uh, t- to me, it's been a little bit deeper level. Relating to others, relating to God, relating to yourself. And today, this is what I, I want to tell you. I got, I got one sentence, and then we're going to dig in. Your relationships will never be any healthier than you are. They can't exceed your emotional and spiritual health. So uh, God has built us to, uh, to be healthy, and we got a lot of competition for that health in our soul. Everybody say soul. Soul. Reminds me of 70s music, hallelujah. But it also, it's just our soul. It's just the, and what I'm gonna call it today is our anticipator, all right, anticipator. We just got done with Christmas, love Christmas, but here's the beautiful thing about Christmas. Christmas Day is wonderful, but what, what makes Christmas really awesome is that we get to start in September, October and anticipate, right? And here's gonna be the premise of my message. That you, you're, you're, what you experience in life has, has less to do with what, where you are right now and has far more to do with what you're expecting. How you feel, what are you anticipating? And so much of our life has very little to do with where we're standing. It's what's in our mind and what we're expecting our life to become. That's really where our confidence and our faith and our fears, that's where that all comes from. And so today we're going to talk about the subject of faith, but I want to put it in this language. Faith is anticipating. What are you anticipating? 
God has given us a way to anticipate, and we're starting here in Hebrews chapter 11, and, and some of you have been in church a long time, and you can quote this scripture, and it says this, now faith is the substance. Everybody say substance. This is wood. It's a substance. It's the substance that this table is actually made of. The scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, it's futuristic, the evidence of things not seen. All right, many of you have heard that church definition, and here, here's what I would say. God has built you and me for faith to anticipate the future, to find substance and the substance of the future for, for believers, healthy believers, I should say, is the word of God. The word of God speaks, and here's what the scripture says, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. Pastor, does faith come by hearing the word of God? Yes, and more. Faith comes by hearing. When you hear God speak in your spirit, faith jumps. Hearing, though, comes from the word of God. I appreciate my precious wife has been leading since the summer uh, prayer groups, I mean, uh, Bible reading groups, excuse me. And uh, I know a lot of the ladies, a lot of the folks have been just rummaging, just going through the scripture and, enter, and those of you that would be interested, I'd say to, f to find Stacy after this is done. But uh, every night, uh, my last few seconds of knowledge of the world before I sleep, I I'm usually reading the Bible. Last night I was reading two or three chapters. And I'll tell you the truth, a whole lot of nights I'm, I'm keyed in and I'm paying attention. A whole lot of nights I'm trying to pay attention. I get done with what I've read, I fall asleep and I can't remember what I've read. Pastor, are you doing any good? Actually, yes, because here's what I found after a, a whole lot of years walking with God. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God when I'm asking or praying or seeking. In fact, every sermon you ever hear up here starts with, Lord, what are you saying? And the Holy Spirit will find the file cabinet and raise to my remembrance something from the word of God. That's my, that's my listening source. That's why it says faith comes by hearing Hearing comes from the word of God, and the Holy Spirit will breathe. That's why you need to read your Bible, not out as a, uh, not so, so much a task or I gotta do it or good Christians do. R just put it in the storage. P put the word of God in storage because when you're praying and you're asking God for things, that's how you hear. Whatever you hear from God's gonna agree and line up with scripture. And I'll get these little nuggets from scripture. I'll start, go hunt it down, and man, it'll just come alive. God's a speaking spirit, yes? yes? And your spirit is actually programmed to dial that in. The, the, the way you get on the frequency is through the word of God. Make sense? Yes. So he's built us to anticipate, and that's what I want you to know. B before man fell, we, you know, Adam and Eve would anticipate God coming to talk to him, and here's what they anticipate. God's gonna be in a good mood. He's got good things to say. He is for us. There was no fear. Fear is a, a counterfeit faith. But, but faith at that time was, I'm just anticipating God, communing with him, he's for me, I'm for him, it's gonna be good. When man failed, it was the first time they felt the absence of God, which is really what fear is. Fear is anticipating into the future the absence of God, right? And what we do when we have fear is we start looking for evidence. In, in our spirit, in our soul, we're always hunting evidence to validate what it is we believe the future holds. We're stacking up evidence. Now, you're doing this intuitively, whether you want to or not, all through life, 
And God is telling us, if you don't deliberately stand, cultivate faith, if you're not cultivating a healthy soul, you'll be stacked pulling up evidence of everything you dread, everything you're worried about, everything you know, daddy said that was off or whatever. You're gonna just pull, and, and it's out there. The evidence is out there. And you're gonna stack it up over a number of years, and what you could have done on this planet for God, your faith and your soul will be so infected. Your future, eternal future, will be fine. But the will of God, the blessing of God, and the call of God on this day, you'll spend so much time just in misery I mean, this is important, gang, is what I'm telling you. Very important. And so as we get into this, all of Hebrews chapter 11 now is a group of guys. And we're not going to go through all these guys. But uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and uh, Sarah. And I want you to hear, these weren't superheroes. These are just Jake-leg rednecks. A bunch of, a lot of them Hebrew rednecks, just plain old plain olds that God used and he gave them a promise. They believed that promise and they lived, this is what faith is. They were thinking about the future, they're anticipating into the future and they're living towards it. Hebrews 11 says this, they all died not seeing the ultimate thing promised. Abraham was promised, you're gonna have so many kids, look up at the stars of the sky, you're gonna have that many cheering while you are yet uh, childless in your old age. That was the promise. So what's the first thing that's gotta happen if you're living toward that promise? We got to have a baby. Figure that one out, I'll, I'll leave that story alone. They go on, Isaac's living toward that promise. And here's the thing, God's put a promise out in front of all of us. We live toward it. We head toward it. That's what faith is. I anticipate God in my future, and I look for evidence. I'm looking for evidence. When our soul gets infected, we're still anticipate. We're all, listen, everybody here has faith. Everybody here is full of faith, and it's affecting how you feel right this second. It has everything to do with what you're anticipating. God built us this way, right? You're feeding this into your wife, your, your husband, your children, what are we anticipating? That's why God gave us this chapter. So, as we go through life, we're hunting for evidence. And let, let me give you what a good, healthy spirit looks like. Uh, well, I, I was gonna say, refer to myself. I, I actually wouldn't. Uh, I'm working on it. But here's something I do. I hunt for evidence, and this is gonna sound very silly to you, but just an example. Um, I have something I call this is, this is for a number of years, it's been banter between me and the Lord and me and Stacy. I have something called a parking place anointing. I call it that. Because years ago, I'd be driving in the craziness of Christmas or whatever and driving around and I'd be praying, Lord, I don't want to walk 12 blocks. Lord, help, help one of these cars. Lord, would you give me a good parking place? Now, here, here's the truth. Pastor, don't you have something better to be praying about? Probably. But it was joke. It was kind of, you know, the Lord's with me. We're kind of joking. And you know what I have found over the years? I get great parking places. I mean, really good parking places. I was at uh, Home Depot yesterday. Everybody's crazy to get their plants in. The weather's starting to warm up. So it's, again, ants on a cupcake. People are everywhere. And the crazies with those carts could scratch your car. It's crazy. But um, as I'm pulling up, the second best parking place in Home Depot, the guy's leaving. I just went, whoop right there. As I'm pulling in, the best parking place pulled out. 
I started to move my car just to go. <laughs> you want to know who's anointed around here? Check this. Now, he, Pastor, that's kind of silly. Probably. Here's the deal. When you're hunting for evidence of God, you're hunting. When you find it, you thank him. It creates thanksgiving. Thank you, God. You know, every single time I do that. Thank you, Lord. I mean, you may or may not be doing it. I don't even know. But I just want you to know, I am thankful for this. When you're living by faith, you're hunting for the evidence of God so that when you're in those cruddy seasons, and can I tell you, everybody in that list of uh, Hebrews 11, all these superheroes that you think are super, they sinned, they failed, they had prolonged times. There were times when they thought, God, is this ever gonna happen? It's never gonna happen. You're, uh, so, they, all of them, they were adulterers. Uh, they doubted. Does this sound, I'm not trying to point the finger out here. I'm just saying, does this just sound like plain old humans, not superhuman faith? And yet they got put in the hall of faith because when they were going through those cruddy times, they were able to go, you know what? There's a whole bunch of evidence of God's absence, and I could ponder that and stack that up in here, but I'm gonna look for God, and I'm gonna do that. And they lived by faith toward his promise, right? So a good thing to put in the washing machine of your soul, okay? You wanna know how to keep your soul. Thanksgiving is just a great thing. Put it in the wash. Find something to be thankful about. And again, for some of you that are in those cruddy seasons, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Pastor, I'm praying for the will of God. All right, I got that for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice and be thankful. This will help keep your soul in a good posture because you're going to go through some cruddy seasons and you're going to have lots of evidence that God's absent. You tracking? All right. So faith is the substance of things. We're looking for evidence. We're anticipating point number two. We go all the way through Hebrews chapter 11 and we get now to Hebrews chapter 12. The subject is still the same. All right. Everybody say expectation. expectation. Say evidence. Okay, that's what we're going to leave here today with. Hebrews chapter 12. So we continue in Hebrews. Uh, and this is uh, Eugene Peterson's version of the message. It's his translation. Verse 1 says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. In other words, the great cloud of witnesses and all the heroes of, of, of Hebrews 11. You see what this means? They're all cheering for us. It means we had better get on with it. Strip down and start running and never quit. Everybody say never quit. No extra spiritual fat nor parasitic sins. The uh, original version would say put off those things, uh, the weight that easily besets you and the sin that easily besets you. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race, if you will, this race of faith we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That's just huge that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, tired in faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of the hostility he plowed through. 
that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Isn't that cool? That'll shoot adrenaline into your soul. All right, so story. Uh, in this faith fight, and this second point is simply called this, fight, fight for faith, it's a faith fight, and the prophetic word on our day is simply this, and I believe God's brought some people here today to hear this word, don't quit. Don't quit. Uh, I have used this on many occasions, so a little, little truth-telling about Pastor Randy. Uh, over the years, a part of being pastor is uh, it's any, leading anything, any, anything you're the leader of, there's gonna be a portion of that that's gonna be criticism, feedback, we call it, and all kinds of versions <laughs> of that. And, uh, and I've got a, a, a tender spot. I'll speak a little bit more of that in a little bit. But I, I've, I've got a bit of a sensitive spot. After 30 years, uh, you would think I would get better at it. But have, have, have you ever had somebody just catch you at the wrong time? You know, just catch you off guard, and all of a sudden, that feedback feels a lot like demoralizing, egotistical, arrogant, condescending. Forgive me for the adjectives. It just, it comes off like, you're not really for me, you're for you, and you enjoy telling me what you know, and I don't get the sense that this is the kind of thing where you're actually trying to help, you're trying to actually, you know, show how smart you are. Anyway, you can kind of hear, I'm starting to fire up right now, and I need to stay calm, you know, and be forgiving and all that. Well, so there have been some times where I might, it, again, it might be an email, it might be the rolling of an eye. You know, somebody might roll their eyes or say something with a tone or what. I'm, I'm very tone sensitive. Anybody else that way? You know, I'm, I'm not as half as interested in what you're saying as I am how you're saying it, because that's telling me everything. That's telling me why you're standing here. It's telling me everything. The bummer about email and text is you can't hear the tone. So you get to put in what you want. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I know you're thinking, man, our pastor is fouled up. I know. I, I'm working. It's our all need. So here's the thing. O over the 20 or 30 years, I, I could get an email, talk to somebody, and it would, it would just discourage. I mean, just like that, it would just be like, I'd be discouraged. Or I'd be angry, like, who do you think they are? I'll tell you what, I'll take them in that parking lot right now. We'll settle this like old school, you know? Uh, i get all fired up. And when I would go to God to cry about it, this is the scripture. And the Holy Spirit has used this to help me on many occasions. And here's what it sounds like. Pastor Randy, it's an email. Nobody's put nails in your hands. Nobody's put nails in your feet. And no crown of thorn has gone on your head. Sissy, you want to quit over an email? Think of Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured way more than nasty emails. And when I hear that, here's what it does to my faith. Dang right. Yep, that's right. I'm going to step up into this thing. What, what am I thinking, right? So as we go go into this, there's some folks here today that have got some soft spots in your heart, and you, here's the thing, you've collected so much evidence to a case that you are even afraid that is against you, you're, you're afraid, so you've become very sensitive, and you, you pick up evidence as you're going through your day and in conversations that kind of confirm this thing you fear, and then all of a sudden, the infamous last straw piece of evidence drops on that 
and, and you explode or you get down or you overreact, right? Does that ever happen to anybody else? The, the stimulus or the reaction far outweighs the stimulus and you freak. What is that? That's because you're, you're collecting evidence, but you're collecting the wrong evidence. That's because there's fear or some damage or trauma in your past that's caused you, like me with my emails, to anticipate and overinterpret something and make it mean something it really doesn't mean. But it really isn't about that. It's about that and a thousand other emails, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna react to that. Listen, somebody's in here and you're very discouraged, and uh, listen, God brought you here for me to tell you, don't quit. Don't quit on God, certainly. Don't quit the faith, don't quit believing. Don't quit. Consider Jesus, who got up under the cross and for the joy set before him endured these things. God, and here's what I want you to know. Your faith, your anticipator, and your collecting of evidence, it's going to be tested. Everybody say, it's going to be tested, okay? All of those Hebrews 11 guys went through cruddy, cruddy seasons. Now, this is what you need to know. The part of Hebrews that I can't, I'll just tell you what it says. There's a part of Hebrews right after, consider what Jesus did, and he's saying this, run your race of faith, and you need to know God is a good coach. He's not one of these, he's not a, I'm about to say, he's not a YMCA coach. He's not like a, hey, oh, that's so sweet, oh, that's okay. God as we continue in Hebrews 12 now about your faith race, it says this, don't despise the discipline of coach God, of daddy God, because whom he loves, he does three things. He instructs, he says, do it this way. If you get off on that, he rebukes, hey, I told you. Pastor, does he say it in like a, like a sweet tone? I, no. And if, and if the rebuke doesn't work, he scour- the, the, the King James says scourge. He brings the pain. Can I encourage you not to avoid the difficult places in Scripture? Sometimes we read in the New Testament and we're such a wonderful grace revival and every bit of it's just awesome. It's great, but we can misinterpret that to think that God's just okay with everything. This is just a big old party. I'll do what you want to. Follow your flesh and just do what you want to. Do not interpret it that way. Your eternity is, is in the consequences of your sin for eternity. You can put that to bed. That's handled. But please hear me. There are consequences on this earth for obedience and disobedience and behavior. And the reason our, our daddy God is not uh, he's not a wimpy God. When he says, look, I want you to go this way, here's your instruction. You need to heed that. But if you get off, he's a good dad to say, hey, he'll rebuke you. I told you this way. We're uncomfortable with this part of God. Don't be. I thank God. And you know what? He'll allow pain to come and bring correction. And by the way, all of you parents, this is just great parenting. This is right there in the Bible. Instruct, rebuke, and get the belt. My dad was like, get the belt. I should, I wish he would have been to this sermon. He only knew that, he only knew get the belt, use the belt, use it again, snap the belt. 
I'll show you this, um, this place where Jeremiah, who is a man of God, a man of faith, is going through one of these cruddy seasons. Everybody been through a cruddy season? One of these cruddy seasons, we're like, God, where are you? What in the world? Why are Christians being so mean and life is just tough and I'm sad and this is not going well and I've been tithing forever and I'm not seeing that going and I've been nice and I'm sowing grace and not getting great. What is going on? Every single believer is going to have seasons like this, right? Not anybody like this guy. Jeremiah, and again, we don't have time to get into all of it, but Jeremiah 15 is one of my favorite places because I relate to this guy. Jeremiah is so down, he says this, what a waste in essence that my mother went through the pain of birthing me. I wish I'd never been born. He's telling God this. Have you ever had a day like that one? Mother, I'm sorry you birthed me. It's just, I'm sorry. <laughs> wish I'd never been born. And he continues on, he's, and he's telling God. Now, some of you think this is irreverent. I have had a few moments where I've told God, I am not happy with this. I'm not happy with you. I'm not happy with right now. Something is wrong. Where are you? Now, I'm not suggesting you do that, but I will tell you, he can handle it. He's had tougher than you. Jeremiah is crying, and listen, Jeremiah's got a rough assignment. His whole life, he's called the weeping prophet and the complaining prophet and the griping prophet, and I love all of it. It's like, thank God he's in there. He's like, I feel kind of normal. 15, verse 18, he says, talking to God, why has my pain been perpetual? It won't stop, and my wounds incurable which refuses to be healed. Will you, God, surely be to me like an unreliable stream? As, as waters that fail, and the, the picture there is this, I'm like a man in a dry and thirsty place, and I'm in a desert, and you're an unreliable stream. In other words, I'm seeing a mirage that I'm just com I'm convinced that's you, and when I get up to it, it's just sand again. And I'm moving in faith and being the good guy. And he goes on to all of 15 says, look, I'm one of the good guys. I speak righteous. These are the people. They're just, I'm a good guy. And here you are. I pray and I believe and I get to where I think you should be answering. And you're not there. And I'm upset. Wish I were dead. Now, here's how a kind and compassionate, sweet and sympathetic God answers that. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if you return... Then I will bring you back, and you'll stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vial, you, will be, you, will, you shall be as my mouth. In other words, he's telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, that's all sweet and cool. You, uh, you know, the victim thing, awesome. Hey, I didn't leave you. You're leaving me. The issue is not me needing to do something. The issue is where you're at. You're starting to be swayed by all these voices and all your circumstances, and you're letting your attitude get sour. You better come back to me. You better come back home. Curfew. Yeah. Get home, son. Yeah. And then he says, in the middle of this cruddy circumstance, you extract the precious from the vial. Extract the precious from the vial. What does that mean? You find the evidence in the middle of this cruddy season of me, and you be thankful. Now, does that sound like a sweet, oh, I'm so sorry, Jeremiah. Ah, oh, I'll get you a trophy. Man, my bad. No, this is a real God, 
and he's not giving Jeremiah any sympathy. If you take the pressures from the bile, you'll be my mouth. Let them return to you, but don't you return to them. And here's what he was saying. I called you from your mother's womb to be a spokesman for me. And you're being tempted to get off of it because you're going through a really cruddy time. And if he were speaking to, to Jeremiah in New Testament terms, he would say, consider Jesus, who for the joy set before him took nails and cross and crucifixion and all these other things, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He finished the job. Jeremiah, sympathy is not what you need because we don't need more victims. You tracking? Right now, there's a celebration in our country, and it's a, um, hear me, hear me all, again, all over TV land. This is the work of Satan to create a worship of victimhood and martyrhood. And here's the deal. The reason that God doesn't give sympathy to Jeremiah is because sympathy is not healthy. Sympathy in little tiny doses is okay. Compassion is good, but compassion doesn't come just to go, I'm so sorry. Sympathy is highly addictive. It's like a drug. And when a man or a woman begin to, to, to kind of buckle under their circumstance, and I'm not trying to be not compassionate. I'm trying to speak real to you so that you don't surrender the call of God on your life to a bad season, and we're all going to have them, and they're going to be cruddy. I mean, I've got other language for it. I was raised in a prison. I could really spell this out for you. There are some seasons that are just not fun at all, and it seems like God's gone. You're going to be able to look over your shoulder one day and go, thank God I went through that and what it developed. But when you're in it, you like Jeremiah, and you're hoping for sympathy. And here's why he doesn't do it, because sympathy's crippling. When you start to take on that victim attitude, I'm more, I'm a victim, all of a sudden, you're, you're starting to say this, my world around me should change to accommodate me. And people that right now are worshiping victimhood, this young man that was a star on this TV show, Man, he had a great contract. Uh, smell it or smell it? Or anyway, anyway, what's it? Smolik. Anyway, you understand who I'm talking about. Guy's TV star, got a great contract, great job, up and coming career, staged, paid two guys to beat him up. Is anybody struggling with that? It's like, is there some smart in here anywhere? It's just so that he could be a victim. Gang, it, 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 can I say demonic? Is it, can, can you just see what demonic is this? Is raising this value of victimhood because what that does is you surrender your strength to your circumstances and you hope and pray and wish and hope for pity from people. Listen, there's a great song and I'll, I'll dig the song. Uh, I think it's uh, John Mayer. Because I'm waiting Mm, waiting on the world to change. I'm waiting. Mm, mm. Listen, great song, love the song. If you're waiting on the world to change, you're going to die pointless. Seriously. God hasn't built us to wait on the world to change. God's built us to change the world. And it doesn't happen by surrendering to these things. So what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. In your soul waiting for circumstances to, to accommodate it. I get it, and our culture just worships the hope of that. Never gonna happen. And God has built you 
especially you that are born again, to be able to get a hold of his words. That's the substance your future's built out of, okay? By faith, I believe this. Listen, you're believing something about the future naturally anyway. Either by fear, you're just fearing and worrying and all that. All that is is, is counterfeit faith. And you're hunting for evidence. Oh, here's why life's gonna be. Oh, that's why everybody hates me. You're picking up evidence. You're doing it naturally anyway. Why don't you determine to, again, put your foot down and say, I have been given this life to live. I have been made more than a conqueror. And God has given me instruction as to how to blow through these cruddy times by faith. I believe God is in my future and I'm hunting for evidence and I will thank him until. Right? David. David is a great, David's in that hall hall of faith that we talked about there and David sinned as atrociously as we can, multiple times, and yet God never raises up his sin again. He just talks about what a great guy David is because David finished. David was out in a desert one time and it's a beautiful Psalm uh, 42 where he says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, God. Like a, like a man in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. And he's in this situation where he's going, man, I'm thirsty. I need you, God. And he's getting down. But he has this moment. And gang, I can't tell you, we're mature believers. And how you grow up is you quit waiting for things to come to you, and you go to them by faith, yeah. right? That's a, that's a grow-up move where you put your foot down. David says this wait a minute, I'm feeling down and I'm feeling like I need something, something's going wrong. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? He starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Even in this dry desert, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. He got a hold of himself, got a hold of his soul and his anticipator instead of anticipating dry and thirst and all that. He just got a hold of it and said, even though I can't see with these eyes, I believe there's evidence in his word and his promise enough for me to say, I will praise the Lord in this mess. I'm not quitting, and I'm certainly not quitting on God. I'm gonna get through this mess. And we know that he did. Gang, that's Hebrews 12 there. Again, we go through the discipline times of the Lord. The last thing in in really becoming healthy in your faith and in your soul, getting a healthy anticipator and hunting for evidence, it's this. Address your bitterness. Address your bitterness. Pastor, I'm not bitter. Good. For those of us who are, I'm horribly bitter. I just want you to know. I'm not horribly bitter. But let's look at this, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the plane down. Hebrews 12, 14. Again, continuing all, the condition of your soul, your faith. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, everybody say look carefully. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. It almost seems impossible to do that, I'll explain that. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by this many become defiled. Um, What I didn't put up here for you, let me just bump it though. As you continue on in Hebrews, uh, it, from right there, it says, uh, in essence, consider Esau, who, for a momentary fix, uh, gave up his calling and his blessing 
and his future, and he lived a bitter life most of his life. This is Esau. So what's the story of Esau? Uh, Jacob and Esau brothers. Uh, Esau was the older brother and had the birthright. What the birthright was this. When daddy dies, you're now responsible. We're, it's actually an honor. We're going to honor you with the full responsible for all the family, your mother, for all the cattle. All of that's going to be under your authority. Okay? I would call that calling. And with that comes a double portion of the blessing. You're going to be rich. So you're going to be honored, you're going to have authority, and you're going to be rich. Birthright, right? He comes home one day, and Jacob, the conniving little brother, had prepared soup. And when he came in, Esau came in, he was starved. So he had a momentary hunger, a momentary appetite. Hear me. Without holiness, no one will see God. A momentary hunger. And for a momentary hunger, he said, give me a bowl of soup. And Jacob said, I'll do it if you'll give me the birthright. And in his immediate hunger, his inability to discipline a moment, right, he gave up his calling and his blessing. He said, well, gosh, I could die of hunger right now, brother. I could die of hunger. Give me the bowl of soup. And so for a moment of gratification, please pick this up. In just a moment of gratification, it says that Esau, though he repented, although he wept bitterly, he could find no repentance. He wept bitterly, he could find no repentance. What, what does that mean, Pastor Andy? Repentance means the ability to turn the situation around. That's what repentance is. Sorrow is one thing. Repentance means you've turned it around. But here's the deal. Because of a momentary gratification, a hunger that he thought, I have to get this fixed right now, he lost his calling, the blessing, and he lived all of his life bitter. The scripture says this, he entertained himself thinking of ways he could kill Jacob. That's never good. I want to write that one down. If your children, one or the other, is entertaining themselves with ways they could kill the other one, that's not healthy. Just I'm giving you that one for free. But that's another rehearsing that. When I say deal with your bitterness, here's what I'm saying. Bitterness, it's like that. You spend your life trying to justify something. It could be your mistake, but actually Jacob did deceive him. He spent most of the rest of his life rehearsing this. Married women, his parents said, we don't want you to marry the Canaanite women just to spite them. He went out and did it. Basically, the guy ruined his life on this earth for a momentary fix, right? He said this, be careful that no one comes short of the grace of God. What's the grace of God? It's his unmerited favor, his unmerited, you don't deserve purpose, his purpose for you, his calling for you, his blessing for you, all of who God is is for you. Pastor, you're saying there are consequences on this earth that could thwart that? Absolutely. Your eternal consequences are paid for. You can take that one to the bank, drop the microphone, spike the football, however you want to say it. Hallelujah. You got some time to live out here. Don't misinterpret the grand grace, and it is great, that your life can be lived without consequence on this earth. This Bible is here for us on this earth. Are you tracking with me? So, bitterness, dealing with it. What, what, what is bitterness? It's unspent anger. I'll say it this way. 
You've been collecting evidence all your life for a couple of things, and you stick it away, right? And all of a sudden, you, you don't realize it, but you've got a case built. I'll give you, I'll give you a case in point. Stacey and I, we were talking um, probably four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, having a regular conversation in, in the evening, having a conversation, and she was describing an encounter that she had had with somebody and what they said. And she, uh, she mentioned something this person said, and in and of itself, it was benign. Just by itself, it was a normal, frustrated, whatever. I can't even remember what, the, I can't even remember what, what was said, actually. But I remember what happened in me. The scripture says that be, to be careful of a root of bitterness because it'll spring up and defile. It'll either explode or implode. I'm built more, I'm more of an imploder though I have exploded. What do I mean by that? You can either explode by anger, what? Or you implode where you don't say anything. Uh, depression is anger turned inward. That's what it is. You attack you. And it causes you just to go. I, I don't know what it was. It was that infamous moment. But when she said what she said, that this other person had said, I mean, can you see how this is just, my information grabber, my faith, but not good faith, reached out and grabbed this piece of information, this evidence. By itself, I shouldn't have even reacted. But intuitively, it came back with a thousand other pieces of evidence that I didn't realize I'd been collecting all these years. And it was the infamous last straw for that week. Okay, so here's the deal. Back when I, when I became the pastor of this church, uh, I uh, dealt with uh, about the first five years. I was young, and here's the thing. When you're first starting a church, and we started with about 30 people, you, you don't care who comes to the door. You invite them in, right? Again, if a guy comes in and says, my name is Legion, you go, hey, <laughs> we need help in the nursery. You know, you bring them right in. Hope all of y'all give, but uh, yeah, you or y'all, whatever. You bring them in. So we're coming in, and, and fr quite frankly, the pastor before me is a precious, godly man, but he had been, uh, for a season, somewhat destroyed by what, uh, what the Bible calls a spirit of Jezebel. Spirit of Jezebel. Now some of you are going, oh my God, what is that? Okay, it's not, not a mean woman. It's a spirit. It's not female nor male, but it's an intimidating spirit. It's housed in people. It's a lot of times well-meaning people. They don't know they're being used. But it's to intimidate, to threaten, and to diminish. If you remember what Jezebel did to Elijah, she just said, I'm going to kill you. And for whatever reason, it was the infamous last straw for him. Uh, for, I mean, this guy's been doing maniac great stuff for God. I mean, killing it. And for whatever reason, that hit him in a spot. And he got discouraged. Here's what he said. I want to kill myself. I, I want to die. And he ran off and he wanted to give up the call. Okay. I didn't realize, but uh, we, we had a lot of people leave the church when, uh, when our, our previous pastor left and we went through two years of Jerry Springer and all. We got quite the history, I'll just tell you. When I came in to pastor the church, there was some rebuilding, some healthy thing. Anyway, we praise the Lord for where we are. But uh, we had people leave, but the devil that was here kept his membership and I didn't realize it. <laughs> he didn't give it all. Anyway, I uh, never got saved. But so anyway, we had to, there were three men, and I'll just to make it very short, three men, very strong, very uh, 
educated, high-powered guys. And when I see them, I think, man, there's a potential leader. But because of my condition at the time, I had a, a struggle with the fear of man. The fear of man, and what that is, is just a desire to please everybody. A lot of times when you're starting something, you get caught up trying to make everybody happy. Our previous pastor had absolutely almost had a, a mental breakdown because he got so trapped by the fear of man. 18 people asking him to be something for them. He couldn't be it for everybody. And eventually he just crumbled. And for a season, he removed himself from, from ministry to get healthy. Well, I didn't realize, but I started trying to please all three of these guys because they were strong and all that. We started having issues, and they started trying to impose their egotistical will. I could feel the Lord pulling this way, but you know, I wanted to please them, and they thought you know, with their brilliance that we should go another way, and friction started to happen, and my inability to, to confront just, just caused something in my insides to start to tear. And so we can say we prayed two of them out. I don't know how you explain it, but anyway, we ultimately, through some nastiness and a little prayer and whatever, two of them left. One of them I should have taken out there, but anyway, two of them left. Um, I see I've still got a little residual thing here. A part of what bitterness is, it's unspent anger, but it's also just a lingering unforgiveness. And it's not a small thing, not a small thing. One of the other individuals was here, and he was in a place of, of, of authority, and, uh, and he and I are now good friends again, friends. But at the time, man, this, his imposing and just trying to, anyway, long story short, after about five years, I had what we call around here the pie-pie anointing. You know what the pie-pie anointing is? Pie-pie the sailor man. His, his nemesis was Bluto. Bluto would try to, to, to steal his, uh, uh, you know, traffic-stopping girlfriend, Olive Oil, who was the, you know, before the double zero size was cool, she was, she was it, skinny, skinny thing. And for the first 25 minutes of the cartoon, Popeye would get beat up and, you know, just, just humiliated, and Bluto would take his girlfriend and all that. But five minutes left in the cartoon, every time Popeye had the Popeye anointing come on here, and here's what he said. I've had all I can stands. Can't stands no more. I didn't realize, but this was, this was, you know, when I would pray about it and look for God to go, oh, you poor thing, I'm going to just, I'm going to beat the devil off you. You know what I felt like God saying? Boy, you better fight. You better step up and fight. I was like, oh, Lord, I make it go away. You say, no, you're the shepherd. You need to figure out how to shepherd. You, you, you go after wolves. And uh, this was unlike my personality. So, uh, but the infamous day came. I remember walking in that office, and I don't, know, I don't know what it was. It was just the moment where I said, you know what? I'm not putting up with this, not another day. I, I didn't have the, I looked for support for other, I mean, it was a standalone moment. But I had the conversation, told him that this was it, out, all that, parted ways, and there was some peace. However, I thought I was pulling something up by the weeds, but actually I just cut it off at the, at the top. And over the years, because of this somewhat trauma, I can get an email or somebody coming again with feedback, or, and it can be good feedback, but there's a hypersensitivity in me to being condescended to. It's not good. But I'm just, I'm just telling, so anybody that's planning on this today might be... A, I won't wait till next week. 
Um, no, and I don't mean this toward anybody. I'm just, just shooting straight. Because of being demeaned and dealing with it, I've got a part of this garden where bitterness root is susceptible, right? I got a tomato garden right now. At the back right-hand corner, there's a vine every year that tries to grow. It's real needly. And if I don't go back there and keep cutting it, I know, I know where in my garden that vine's gonna come. And this year, when the sun comes up, I'm gonna have to deal with it. Here's what I know in my own heart. I have this place in my garden that I have to watch. Why didn't the Lord just set you free, brother? Come up here, let me just pray for you and set you free. Well, hallelujah, let's do that. However, I have learned there's some old scars and some old wounds, and I've become hypersensitive. So when Stacy said, well, so-and-so said this and this, my information grabber reached out there and grabbed this benign piece of information. I put it with all this other email feedback and this, and I, 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 don't, I can't explain it. I, she saw it. I, I mean, everything in me drained out of me. I imploded. And all these thoughts went, heck with it. Words other than that. You know, just done. Sick of it. I mean, these thoughts came to my mind. It's never gonna be good enough. Never gonna be enough. And, and these are, this is what the, the enemy traffics. He traffics and messages your pain. He, 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 your pain is a problem, but the messages in your pain is a bigger problem. Because you, your ear becomes susceptible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing. Hearing the messages in your pain, hearing the threats, hearing things. And what bitterness is, yes, it's unforgiveness and it's unspent anger. I mean, it's kind of like meat when you put it in the refrigerator after it stays in there a long time. It stinks. It gets rotten. All this unspent, undealt with. And here's what I'm saying. This is what I believe. Everybody in here likely has some little spot in your person that's hypersensitive. In other words, the stimulus and the reaction don't match. Right, little, little tiny thing. Husbands and wives, you know after 15, 16, 17 years, all the stuff you can't figure out how to talk about but still bugs you, you're close. It's coming. Somebody's gonna say something and it's gonna be tiny, not even gonna be the issue, but there's gonna be a, a spring up of this bitter root that's what it is, common to us all, common to us all. What, what am I saying to you? God has brought us here today so that, understanding this, you have an anticipator and an evidence grabber, and some of us have been building evidence on something that's not true. It's out of our pain, it's a place of bitterness. I know you wouldn't call it that. You say, well, I'm not a bitter person. You probably aren't, but you've got a place where, where there's still some roots and you just don't know it's there, and it doesn't go away easy. Here's what Stacy and I, when, when, when it blew up, and I just really took me about three weeks, and I'm, yeah, I can still feel it. Um, we, we started to talk about it, and I said, Stacy, I don't know what's going on, and I can't describe it well enough for us to even talk. So I think you and I are going to go get crossways trying to figure this out. Give me a little room. And this is what I'd say to you. If I'm describing anything that feels anything like something going on in your world, Ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's happening in me? Because I, I ask him every morning, what's going on here? He began to show me, honestly, this message, that there's an intuitive uh, 
evidence grabber. Some of it's true, some of it's not true, but I'm building a case, and I don't even know I'm doing it. And God's built me to do this, and if I can get healthy, it's gonna be really good. But when I'm wounded or injured, and life has a way of doing that to you, that pain can begin to say something to you that's a lie, and here's what it's after. Be careful that no one comes short of the grace of God, the calling, the blessing, the favor, the favor on your family, the favor on your future. Be careful that you not forfeit that because of a root of bitterness, because it'll spring up and it'll cause you to do, have consequences that you don't have enough life to get fixed. Eternity's set. And God's brought you here today to say, hey, let's get to work on this. Does this make sense? This makes sense to you. So I believe the Holy Spirit is here to, to help us. I would encourage you, some of you, uh, I would encourage you on, on, if you've got a deep wound or bitterness, see somebody. Get, get, get counsel. We've got recommendations for counselors. We've got Dr. Jim that comes in. Get with somebody. Get with a good godly friend. Get in a group. I mean, one of our, our key areas here is in life groups, and the, the topics matter, but more than that, the friendships that get built. You need a friend that you can tell any and everything to. Don't need a bunch of friends like that, because it'll end up on Facebook, and boom, uh, and then you're outed. But you need somebody you can talk real and be genuine with. So here's what the Scripture says. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Confess to God for forgiveness. Confess to one another so we can start to get healed. If you find yourself overreacting, I'm not, I'm not overreacting. <laughs> uh, if you don't think you're overreacting to, to benign things, ask your spouse if you're married. They'll tell you. Here's what you want to do. You spend as much time as you want to fighting each other. I'm just telling you, there's no win there. You're the only one that can change you, and the issue isn't the issue. The issue is the bitter spot in the garden, right? It'll give you a clue as to, to what's there, and the Holy Spirit can help you. This is complicated, by the way. I wish I could say, oh, this is easy. No, it's deep stuff. God's created marvelously deep, mysterious, wonderful human creatures, and our soul has the capacity to reach out and find him and build evidence for his presence. But it also has the capacity to just, you know, one day we'll get to drop these bodies. We enter heaven, drop the microphone, hallelujah. This struggle ends. But until then, you're in a fight. You fight for you. Amen? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. All right? Stand to your feet. Uh, prayer teams to the front, please. Hmm. Praise God. Well, when we conclude, if you, if you need prayer, make your way this direction. I want to pray over you, but I, I, I tell you, take this word, get the word of God in you. Get the word of God in you. Listen to it on, when you're driving. Get it in you. But pastor, I can't pay attention. It makes me sleepy. That's all right. Give the Holy Spirit something to give you ears so he can speak to you. Give you another thing. This week, here's your to-do. Hunt for the evidence that God's near. And I'm telling you, the smallest thing, you say, thank you, God. Right? Thank you, God. Now, you're not going to find a parking place here, but go practice over at Kroger and have better. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this people. Dear God, I bless this people. Lord, thank you. You have, you have given us these both wonderfully warm souls that can relate to you and hear your voice. We can anticipate you and forecast God is in our future. 
I break the spirit of fear. You have not given us a spirit of fear that forecasts and anticipates your absence, but you've given us a spirit of agapeo love, power, and a sound mind. I thank you, Lord God, for that spirit. We live from that spirit. And Lord, everybody in here has susceptibility to infection in our soul, infection in our anticipator, and in our evidence builder. God, I pray we would start every day saying, Lord, today, help me to find, extract the precious from the vial. Help me to find the fingerprint of God in the biggest mess. I want to see God and say, God, you're here. Thank you. Lord, I pray for strength. I break the power of victimhood. I break the power of an unnatural, unhealthy desire for sympathy. I break that in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, you've made us more than conquerors. Lord, we sang all morning, we, no, no longer a slave to fear, no longer anticipating it, regardless of what circumstances are telling me. I predict, God, that your word is true. I predict that you will provide. I predict that you will protect. I predict your grace will follow me. I predict that you know the plans that you have for us. They're plans for our welfare and not calamity, to give us a future yes. and a hope. I thank you, Lord, that blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. He'd be like a tree planted by the waters that extends its roots by the streams, and he will not fear when the heat comes, nor cease to produce fruit in the year of drought. Circumstances will not dictate fruitfulness and productivity for faithful people. And I just pray for the soul of each and every individual here. And Lord, for the person saying, well, that's good for somebody else, I just feel somehow uh, discounted from this message. I, I'm not there. I'm not that spiritual. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I confront that. God's talking to you. You have faith. You're built for this. In the name of Jesus, anticipate God. Watch for God. God's near. God's close. God loves. God cares. And let the grace of God be fulfilled in every life. Our calling, our provision, the promises of God are yes and amen. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you, we honor you, and we anticipate you, God. I anticipate you when I walk out of here. I'm looking for you, and I speak that over this congregation in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless our finances. Lord, as we bring to you our tithe and our offering, I ask you, God, would you receive it, Lord, as an act of worship, and I thank you, God, for the accompanying promises, and the promises of God are yes and amen, that you open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing we cannot contain. I believe that, and I am anticipating it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. It is our great joy to surrender, Lord, to you and to obey you, Lord, in the area of our tithe and offering. So bless the giving and bless the rest of this day. I pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.